Sixteen, please turn to Genesis chapter sixteen. Genesis chapter sixteen. I'm glad the blood's been applied this yes, morning. Yes, amen. 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 Yes. Genesis chapter sixteen, one verse, verse one this morning. Genesis sixteen, verse one. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, yes. your mercy, yep. Lord, Lord, for the freedom and privilege we have to assemble in your house on a beautiful day such as this, God. And Lord, we just pray, Father, Lord, you just meet and move in our midst this morning. Dear God, pray that you'd anoint our pastor afresh, helping, dear God, to deliver the very words, dear God, that we need to hear today. And God, help us, Lord, open up our hearts and our minds and our ears and receive what you have for us. And God, when we apply it to our hearts and our lives, Lord, that your will would be accomplished, dear God. And Lord, that the glory would be to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Again, we appreciate you being here so very, very much. Amen. Each time changes, just messes everybody up. I'm telling you. We, we are creatures of habit. Amen. We are great creatures of habit. And... Uh, but God help us anyway. Genesis chapter number 16 this morning. Perhaps, apart from Calvary, there's not been a decision, a choice made that's had the magnitude that chapter 16 has had in our world. As a matter of fact, apart from Calvary, praise God for Calvary. Greatest life-changing thing that ever, that's ever happened is Jesus came, bled and died, rose that third in glorious days for me. I hope he's done that for you. Amen. And the blood's been applied to our lives. The Bible says rejoice because we know our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And praise God that's reason to rejoice. I hope you're saved today. I hope you're saved. Say, preacher, don't you know we're saved? No, I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know that. I'll be honest with you. I'm not so sure he's near as many saved as we like to think there is. I hope you are. Hope you are. Amen. But the truth is, only one I know saved is me. Amen. But this morning, I'm glad for that. But apart from that, setting aside that, Perhaps the greatest decision ever made that's carried such lasting magnitude is in Genesis chapter 16. What a powerful chapter it is. I've titled this, There's No Shortcuts in the Life of Faith. We've been looking this series of going from faith to faith and how that God how faith works and how faith operates. And you say, well, why spend time talking about faith? I believe you and I are going to, I believe we're going to need it like we never needed in our entire lives. I believe we're approaching a world that is going to almost, if you don't have faith, you're going to be, you're going to struggle, I'm telling you. I mean, you're going to be on Prozac and everything else just to survive through the day. The reality is we're going to need a faith like we've never had. Then secondly, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. I want to please Him. I want to please Him with this life that I have. Just got one. Just got one. And, um, and it, it's a moving fast. It's a moving in a hurry. And, and the truth of the matter is I don't have time to play church. And uh, I realize if I'm going to please God, I've got to have faith. Because anything that's done outside of faith does not please him. Amen. And so I want to please him. We've watched as Abraham has left our other Chaldees. We've watched him as he went into Egypt. We watched him stumble. We watched him sin. One of the great things I love about the Word of God is, is this. God doesn't whitewash anything. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, um, you know... Uh, put fluff on it. He gives us unadulterated truth. That's the reason why you can put your confidence in it. 
God tells us exactly the way it was. He, he, he does not in any way, shape, nor form uh, whitewash it, condone it, or, or, or slip around it, or, or forget. He doesn't do any of that, regardless of who we may be. You're going to find that he went into Egypt, of course he stumbled, but God stepped in, helped him, amen, what a blessing. And he comes out of Egypt, and, uh, and, and again, how God has helped him, he went, goes back in and, and gets a, a lot out of Sodom and all of that to do. Now we find in Genesis chapter number 16, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if, you, if you've not, it would help you to do so now. Don't just skip that word. Now has the ideal that God's going to take all that's been done from Genesis chapter number 12. He says, with all of that in mind, don't, don't miss, don't forget what God and how God has done for Abram in leading him out in those 10 years now, though, it's a crossroads. Now, now, Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Now, almost immediately, two things, and then I'll give you the, what God's put in my heart. Number one, let me just say this. I want you to write it at the top of your Bible, and if you do this, it'll help you. Almost immediately, God is a God of divine order. Almost anything that's out of that's confusing and conflict, if you can get your order right, it'll work right. God's order's always been the head of man is God, head of woman is man. God's the God's to be worshipped. Men's the head. Woman's a heart, and children are to obey. Now, I know, I know some old liberal reprobate don't believe that junk, but it still doesn't change God's order. God's to be worshipped and honored. Men's the head, God, woman's the heart, and children are to obey. That's simple, that's simple. You say, well, I just don't, you know, what we believe about God doesn't change anything about God, no matter what we may want to believe. Notice in verse 2. And you say, well, what's the big deal about this order? Notice in verse number 2. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, hold it. The Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I bear thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Immediately, orders messed up. Immediately, orders messed up. I have just two things here tonight. I mean this morning to give you. Number one, we see the proposition. We see the proposition. And we start in this proposition. They decided, they decided that this problem was too big for God to handle. And the Bible says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, uh, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, No, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. In other words, they said, Well, it has come time for us to help God out. Now, I've tried that. More than once. And you know what I found? He doesn't need my help. May I say this? He don't need your help. Amen. I want you to know, he don't need any of our helps. But they decided. I mean, it is now time that we're good. This problem, I mean, this issue has impossible written all over it. And the truth of the matter is, this is bigger than God. So we're just going to have to see if we can figure out a plan. And we're going to have to come up with a plan to fix it. How many of you have done God's planning for him before? More than once. My soul, how often we do this. 
And we see here, we see here a proposition is given. But now Genesis 18, 14 said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? He asked that question. See, when we began to walk with God and walking towards this faith walk, from faith to faith, you won't walk too far until you come to this kind of place where God's going to give you something that you can't think it out, figure it out, make it work. You can't, you can't finagle it out and make it work right. You can, however, make a mess of it, and that's what they're fixing to do. You see, they equated God's delay to God's weakness. I'm amazed at how many folks, I'm amazed at how many people that say they're saved and born again and washed in the blood, and yet they can't even believe God to be honest with God. I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed. Now, they, they believe that same God's going to take them to heaven that they've never seen. Going to give them a mansion they've never been in. And yet they, they'll rob God, not, not even... I'm amazed at that. I, I, I truly... You're looking at a preacher. I believe, praise God, that little aunt, she, was, she had a speech impediment. She couldn't understand her. She was around her for a real long, long time. Loved cats. Had a house full of cats. Never married. Lived, lived by herself. And when she died, the preacher preached her funeral. And it said, in my father's house are many rooms. And boy, I wanted to jump up and shout, praise God. She ain't in a room. She had gotten saved. She loved Jesus. And I want you to know, praise God, she's got a mansion, not a room. She lived in a room all of her life. See, we find here, in this thing, I love this. Someone asked, there's no England, England preacher by the name of Philip Brooks. And he was noted for his poise in quiet manner. But one day he was in a truck. He was, he was like a caged lion just going pacing. Someone said, Dr. Brooks, what's wrong? He said, the trouble is I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. I love it. That's me, amen. All we find, the Bible says is, the Bible says not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Also, knowing that tribulation work of patience and patience experience and experience hope. But notice this proposition. Number one, notice the author. Now, ladies, hang on. Amen. I, 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 hope, I hope you're not... I, I mean, if you, if, you, if you are a liberal, you're going to get your feelings hurt right now. So hang on. Amen. Go ahead and get your handkerchief out and start bawling because it's coming. I'm going to tell you something. The author of this thing was Sarah. And order was broken. God had done told Abraham. He done told Abraham. He said, now Abram, I'm going to give you. He said, I, he said, come out here, son. He said, I want you to look at the stars in the sky. He said, that's how many young ones you're going to have. He said, I want you to look at the sands of the sea. He said, that's how many young ones you're going to have. And they're going to be yours. And Sarah said, well, my goodness, I reckon... God ain't going to let me do it. So I've got a little Egyptian handmaid. And why don't you take her as your wife? And maybe it's through her that you can have children. Now, God never told him, not one iota. But don't miss this. There is no person in this room, apart from God himself, that influences me and wells more power and influence in my life than this beautiful lady sitting here. I listen to your words. Her words carries weight. Influence. More than one life has destroyed a ministry. More than one woman has destroyed a preacher. More than one wife has kept a preacher in it. More than one time, more than one preacher has known what it means when the devil jumps on him on Sunday and says, man, you sure blowed it. And wife gets in the car and says, honey, I think that's one of the best messages I ever heard you preach. 
And I mean, I'm going to tell you, it's like putting uh, 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 an air compressor to you. Helps you get back up. The power of that influence. See, we've got this idea that you've got to wear the britches and you've got to be the boss and you've got to be, you got to be the one making all the choices. You don't understand. You are, you are missing this thing by 40 miles. Bless God, nobody, nobody, nobody has more influence in Abraham's life than Sarai does. God should have had, but here, he's listening. And nobody could have done what she did. But may I say, Satan knew that too. You ever wonder why Satan didn't come to Adam in the garden? Why didn't he just come to Adam and say, Adam, i tell you something. Hey, man, that fruit will make you wise. You'll be just like God. Why didn't he come to Adam? He knew something. He knew something. He knew that she was that weaker vessel. Not that she's a weak vessel. The weaker vessel. In other words, God so designed her that way. God designed her that way. And ladies, don't, don't get all sideways with me now and, and, and get all long lip. Amen. You'll sit on your drawers are getting a wad, you'll sit on the knot the whole service. God designed you perfectly to be that helpmeet and to be that powerful influence. Nobody else could have done this but her. And Satan knew that. The author of it. Sarah, she came, she made her proposition. I mean, you say, man, man, the source of the temptation had much to do with the strength of the temptation. And the strength was in her. See, it's amazing. We find you say, man, this is hard. And it was. But you know what made it harder? You know why? You know why that, ma'am, hey, ma'am, Listen, do you know why you lost such an influence? You're in the house. She's already in the house. The temptation's already in the house. They're, they're not going to have to go to Egypt and get her. They done brought her out of Egypt. You remember, don't you? When he went down that trip and he got all the money from Pharaoh, and he come back, and the first conflict was over that money. Mine, it's, it's, it's going to blow, it's going to blow your mind for some that stand before God, and they have loved their money more than they've loved God, and God's going to judge them for that mess as sure as the world. You don't take none of it with you. The truth is, all of a sudden, and he brought, it caused conflict with him and Lot. But can I say something? He also brought Hagar with him. And Hagar's in the house. It's in the house. It's in the house. You don't understand. That, that, that's the reason why every lady in this church... I mean, bless God, you, you ought to love God. You ought to serve God. You, you, ought, you ought to get along with God every day. And you ought to pray for your family and pray for your husband and pray for your children because nobody carries the influence you did. I, I know this is going to tire some of you up. And it'll be okay. Uh, I'm, again, I'm, I, ain't, I ain't got time to play church. I'm running out of time, Amen. But don't miss this. There was a day, there was a day that daddy went to work, amen, and the kids went to school, and mama stayed at home, and she took care of the house, and I want you to know there's a day she find her a place beside an old stove. It might have been an old wood stove, but she knew God. She paid hell off the family and hell off her husband when he went to work. By God, we've sold it out for a dollar bill. For another toy and another trinket and another this, another this. Now, please, don't come up to me after service and say, well, you know, preacher, in this day and hour, it takes two to make it. It takes two to keep up the lifestyle we have. That's what it takes. All right, let's not blame God for that. Idea was she's author, and it's hard. Number two, he's already been accepted. She's been in the house 10 years. I, I, I tell these young couples 
this all the time. And I want every young couple, especially you young married couples, will you look at me right now for just a minute? For this goes for any married couple. You are an idiot to let some young woman move into your home. You ain't got a lick of sense. You ain't that good a Christian. I'm not that good a Christian. No, 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 no. No, no, no. See, when I'm at home, I can take my shirt off and let Darlene see this awesome body that's in here head. Amen. <laughs> Nobody else. Nobody else. No one. I can do that at home. I'm going to tell you something. When you're at home, it's already, it's in the house and it's already been accepted. That's the author of it. Notice something. Notice something else. I see in this, in this, the appearance of it. Oh, just hang on now. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Number one, the temptations dressed up in sincerity and self-denial. Well, Abraham, I just tell you, God ain't going to let me have no babies. I guess you're just going to have to go. I'll make the sacrifice. Go ahead and do it. It's, got, it's all dressed up. While we quit dressing up selfishness and sin and justification, when are we as God's people just going to get it down where we, where, where we are? And the truth of the matter is, it ain't nothing more than just old selfishness and, 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 that's, and, and justification. Well, God ain't going to let me do this, I guess. And see, she done, she done counted God out. May I say this? It's amazing. And I don't care what it is. You can justify anything if you work hard enough at it. And you can dress it up. The appearance of it is that it was self-denial self and sacrifice. My goodness, we justify it. Well, I'll tell you what's the truth. It's, it's, it's amazing how we do this. I mean, she said, she said, you know, now, now, Abram, you know. Now, Abram, you know. You, Abram, you just don't get it, man. Listen, I can't have no babies now. It's over. It's over. So here's what you need to do. I've got a young Egyptian maid, and you take her for a while, and she can have children for me. And I just say this. Listen to me. It don't, I don't care who you are. It's, it, it is very easy to give the appearance of being right. And he had all the appearance. He's dressed up. He's dressed up. Now, I mean, we, we, we're masters at it. Are we not? I mean, you know, you, you, you do understand, don't you? You do understand. I mean, we just got to shack up. I mean, you understand, don't you, preacher? No, God don't understand that. No, he doesn't. Well, we just got to do it. No, no, God don't understand. No, no, no. God, God, God don't understand near as I don't think God understands near as much as you and I would like to believe he understands. He don't understand anything. He knows. And he knows when we're right. When he knows when we're wrong. And you know, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing uh, uh, how we so quickly give it the appearance that, you know, God's kept me. This is God's fault. I, I'm going to tell you what's the truth now. This is God's fault. I'm going to have to. No. No. It ain't God's fault. We're amazed how many people want to blame God for something. Not only that, but it's, it's dressed in sincerity and self-denial. Can I say they were sincere? They were sincerely wrong. When, when are we going to take God's... The, the Bible says, forsaken not the assembling of ourselves together. How many knows that scripture? How many believes it's the truth? Is it the word of God? Is it true? Yes or no? 
Is it true? Yes or no? Okay, then if we forsake the assembling of ourselves together, how we sin? Yes or no? Then you tell me how we painted up to make sin right. It's not. Oh, notice the approval. I mean, the, the sincerity of it here. The appearance. It's got God wrote on. He looks like God. This is what God's going to do. And all of a sudden, it becomes justification. Then notice something else. The approval. When an Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Notice, society approved, in, approved of this. As a matter of fact, this was a common, common thing in that day. As a matter of fact, you were really despised and looked down on if you did not have a child. You was looked inferior. I mean, they, they talked bad about you down at the store. You was looked down. You was frowned on. Something wrong with you. Your lesson, you know, all that kind of stuff. Amen. Now, when they see you with a line of youngins, they say, oh, dear Jesus, bless our heart. Amen. Now they frown and whine and cry and fall somewhere and pray for them. Amen. But in that day, it was a stigma. If you didn't have a child, may I say polygamy was a very common thing. It was not uncommon for a man to have one more than one wife. It does, it, nowhere in the Bible do I find that God was pleased with it, but it was done. Society approved it. Society approved it. May I say Sarah approved it. I mean, she said, this is what you got to do. But let me just say, the sovereign said, No! No. Isn't it amazing? We say, Whoo! Thank you, Jesus, for the yes. But the same God, we get mad, blow up like a bullfrog, we march out of the church with a long lip, and we say, I'm done. When God says, No. But if he ain't got a right to say no, then he ain't got a right to say yes. He's got to have the authority to say yes. But he's also got the authority to say, has God ever told some of you no? Amen. Boy, he has me. Broke my heart. I didn't like it one iota. But I want you to know, God didn't care what I liked about the thing. It's a matter of, am I going to be obedient to it? Some, we got some young people, and I do believe in my heart. God's doing some things in the young people in our hearts. Right now, I, I believe that. I believe that. Every fiber of my being, God's moving in some young people's hearts in our church. And right now, they're in the most vulnerable place that they'll ever be. There's some of you, more life, I'm, I mean, some things have happened, and you're in a very vulnerable place. You're in a very vulnerable place. You know why? Because you're lonely. You know why? Because you don't know what to do. You know why? Because it doesn't seem like there's no clear answer to it. What you've got to understand is you got to be careful that Satan doesn't give you something painted up like God. He may look like God. Everything about this looks good. Society approved it. Sarah approved it. I mean, if Miss Darlene said it's okay for me to have another woman, I guess it's right. I, I don't think I want another woman. <laughs> One's all any man needs. Amen right there. Tell you. Uh, it's all everybody needs. The approval we find here, see, with the word of you say, well, how, how do I discern it? All you got to do is get in this book. This book, and, and that's the reason we, we miss it so much. We, we're forgetting this book. See, when you ask God for God's approval, I want you to know it, it, is, it is looking into the word of God. And when the word of God says something, just do it. Boy, you know what's worse than waiting on God? Is wishing you'd waited on God. Did you hear what I'm saying? You know what's worse than waiting on God? Is wishing you'd waited on God. One story, and I'm not going to get in many illustrations this morning. 
as a dear man, he's, he's an older man, his wife died, and I knew him well, and uh, he wasn't too awful long after that that he remarried. And uh, I seen him at the at, uh, uh, gas station. I said, well, uh, matter of fact, his name was George. I said, George, how, how are you doing? And then he said, well, he said, not too good. I said, well, what's wrong? He said, well, he said, I had an angel for a while. He said, I had an angel. He said, she was, she was just wonderful in every, every, every way could be thought of. But he said, I remarried. And he said, I'm not so sure that I didn't get the devil's angel. He said, that woman, I said, he said, that's the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. You know what he's just saying? He's just saying, you know what's worse than waiting on God? Is wishing you had waited on God. We find, let me, let me just make note of this. And, and don't miss this. All sinful temptation must have an appeal to work. And that's all. Can I say, all sinful temptation must have an appeal to it to work. There was already an appeal here. See, it's, it's hard to find a temptation more appealing than one that feeds our fleshly appetites. And we'll leave it at there. If you're not careful, though, you're both an Ishmael and not an Isaac. Number four, notice, notice the acceptance. Don't miss his. Ishmael is never a substitute for Isaac. And Ishmael will become a thorn in the flesh and in the life of Abraham. But notice the acceptance. Abraham's 85 years old. Sarah, Abram's wife, took Sarah, Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Now, if you're, if you're in, in the mark in your Bible, notice that to be his wife. You might want to put a little underline. We'll come back to that in just a minute. He's been walking with by faith for 10 years. I mean, he's learned some great lessons in the last 10 years. I mean, he's learned some things in 10 years. But may I just say this? There's no perfect timetable to be physically, mentally, spiritually, to where temptation can't get you. Are you listening? Well, I served God 25 years, and I failed. No, no. You, you, don't, you don't understand. All that does, if you've served 25 years, you're just more accountable. It doesn't mean that you're exempt. Let me tell you, when you're exempt from temptation, every person here, let me tell you when you're exempt, it's when you take the last breath here and you breathe the next breath there. And when or Jesus says, come up hither, and in a moment, in a, in a twinkling of an eye, you'll be changed. And until that is changed, until this old flesh is changed, until this corruption puts on incorruption, this moral puts on immortality, until that happens, you will not be exempt from temptation, I don't care who you think you may be. You're fooling yourself. Here was, here was a man that, and he accepted it. You're going to find God's got a perfect timetable in what he wants to do. And had Sarah waited, and Abram waited. But you know what? You say, well, why did God wait so long? I'll tell you why. Abram and Sarah wasn't dead yet. There was not as good as dead. And the proof is, Abram fathered a child. God's going to wait till Sarah's dead and Abram's dead and then he's going to step up and say, let me flex my muscles for you. Let me show you what kind of God I have. Let me put on display. I'm going to take that which is dead and I'm going to energize it and give life to it. Let me tell you why God's not answering your prayer. Well, I'm, I'm seeking. I'm looking. 
You ain't dead yet. <laughs> you mean physically? No, 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 no. Dead to your opinion, to yourself, to everything. I've given this illustration before. Let me give it to you again. I was down a little white church, and a church called me and said, they had a parsonage. I was working a full-time job. I was going to school. He was killing me. And uh, I mean, it was just unbelievable. But anyway, uh, a church called me and said, we want you to become pastors. matter of fact, uh, it, basically, here's what they said. If you want it, it's yours. All you got to do is accept it. I said, okay, you know, well, well, praise God, brother. I'll pray about it. I said, honey, you pack. I'm going to pray right now. Amen. You be ready to load the car. I was ready to go. In the story, I was ready to go. It appeared everything about it seemed to be good. But that evening, God slipped up and said, no. No. Can't go there. I remember walking back down that evening, coming back over to the church, little white building. I, I remember just like it's yesterday. I walked in, opened up the door. I didn't even cut the lights on. I went in. I throwed my heads up. I said, God, just go ahead and kill me then. Kill me if you're not going to let me go. And God said, that's exactly what I got in mind of doing. That's exactly. You got it right, son. That's exactly what I intend to do. That's exactly. What's he wanting to do to you? Why didn't God get in a hurry? He's waiting on them to die. Not physically. Dying to their agenda. Dying to their opinions. Dying to their ideals. Dying to their thinking. Well, let me tell you what I believe. Dying to what they believe. Dying to all of us. And saying, let me be everything. Let me be everything. Saying, he come to the place. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We see the proposition. Notice number two. Just got two points. Number two, the problem. Now immediately, things start happening. Notice, first of all, they liked God's foresight. They liked, they liked seeing what God knew. Verse number 5. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. And the Lord judged between me and thee. Have you ever seen two women fight? I, I, I run a, up a, a sanding room at Knob Creek. And, um, and I worked a whole lot of women. And I come out one day. Uh, uh, from break and I went in there and these two women they's in the middle of the floor and they had each other by the heart and they were squalling I watched five minutes before I broke it up I wasn't going to let it go on amen <laughs> they was interesting I mean they was in there they was going at it I'll tell you screaming and crying and hair pulling can I just say something almost immediately a problem showed up number one problem don't miss this a bad spirit found his place in the home Bad spirit. And Sarah said in Abram, I was despised in her eyes. Here's this maid that had been in her home, had been her maid for 10 years, had waited on her for 10 years, had helped her make up beds and done the cooking, and no doubt, no doubt anything Sarah wanted. I mean, Hagar was ready to move and to go, but immediately jealousy Bitterness and envy had found a place, had found a place in their home. There's nothing worse than a bad spirit in a home. There's nothing worse than jealousy and envy and strife in a home. I'm honest with you. I, I, I praise God every day. I, 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 we, we, when you deal with people, you have to deal with all kinds of stuff. And more just sometimes I'm just so thrilled to get home because I know, praise God, there's not going to be any strife. There's not going to be any argument. My God, I love being home. You know why some don't love being home? Because it's strife. Bad spirit. And there's nothing worse than that kind of spirit that's brought into a house. 
nothing worse. Here we find, and she says, I was despised in her eyes. She ain't looking at me right. She ain't acting towards me right. She's, the Bible says, who is a wise man endured with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter and envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. The wisdom distinguished not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Somebody says, I'm confused. Man comes saw me the other week, and he, and he, he talked to me. He said, I'm just so confused. And when he, when he said the word confused, I said, okay, let's find where the devil's at in it. He said, huh? Huh? So let's find where the devil's in it. Because if there's confusion, Satan's in the middle of somewhere. God's not the author of confusion. Are you listening? Are you listening? See, of all the fights... Family fights are the most painful and difficult to settle. See, the word despise means to make light, small to slight. In other words, from that day on, from that day on, she said, I'm better than you. I've got a child. God's blessed me. He blessed you. Something wrong with you. You're inferior. You're little. Hey, get out of my face. Hey, Sarah, you wait on me now. You went on me. All of a sudden, a bad spirit. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Bad seed. I mean, a bad spirit produces a whole lot of bad seeds in a home. Notice what the Bible says about this man. The Bible says, The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, thou art with child. And she bare a son, she caused him Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. But notice what, here, here's his description of him. He'll be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. He should dwell in the presence of all his brethren. He's never even going to get saved. His brethren. With other wild men. With others. It is amazing. It is amazing what folks are producing in their house right now. It is amazing. It's amazing as I watch men rebel against the authorities in their home, you know, and then, the, gentlemen, just, I, I, I was pretty tough on the women. Let me deal with you just a little bit. Don't be shocked when your wife rebels against you when you rebel against the authorities that's in your life, the God in heaven and the pastor and the people God puts in your life as an authority. Don't be shocked. And then don't be shocked when that little boy and that little girl gets up to 9, 10, 11 years and tells you to go to you know where. Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed when that takes place. When all you've done is rebelled against authority all your life. It's amazing. It's amazing. Me and the, call, the fellas are going, well, I tell you, won't you help me pray for my wife? She's mean as a devil. Amen. I'm gonna, and then I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, you just told God to shove it the other week. You just told God, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. I just told God, I'm not going to do that. Not, no, no, forget that. And, and then we wonder why. That is, we reap what we sow. You can't sow that. You know what you're trying to do? You're trying to sow sweet corn and get up turnips. It don't happen. It can't happen. It won't happen. Notice, notice, second problem, the blank game. Boy, don't you love this one? I love this. Sarah went up to Abraham, and this was my wrong. My wrong be upon thee. It's your fault, Abram. It's your fault. You've done it. Ain't we masters at that? And you say, where did we learn it? We learned it from uh, Adam. From Adam, yeah. Adam partook of the fruit. 
He's naked. He's hiding behind a tree. Got a little old preachy apron on, amen. He's hiding behind a tree. God said, Adam, where you at? He said, I'm hiding. He said, why are you hiding? Because I'm naked. Who told you he was naked? He said, well, I can see. I'm naked. Who gave you that? Well, God just, I tell you, I didn't want to bring it up. That woman you gave me? That woman, she's a downfall of everything. She's the cause of it. I'm in a mess today. That woman you gave me? Hey, Miss Adam, Eve, what you got to say for yourself? Well, God, I just tell you, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. That's what. I'm, and you know what the devils are doing? He's over here. Hey, say what you got to say. Woo! Glory! That's what I wanted to do. He loves it. He loves it. The blame game. She said, Adam, Abram, this be on you. You've done it. What's wrong with you, Abram? Why'd you go? Well, you brought her to me. You said it's okay. Amen. You said it's all right. Oh, notice what he said. But Abram said to Sarah, Sarah, hey, get off that junk. She's your maid. You deal with the problem. You deal with it. Now let me just say this. Both of them are wrong. Not one of them. Both of them are. Number one, Abraham was wrong in listening to her to begin with. Now I'm not saying, husband, don't listen to your wife. I'm just saying this. When you got a word from God, nothing trumps a word from God. Nothing. Nothing trumps a word from God. And what Abram, here was Abram's sin. Abram should have got to that altar he built. He should have got on his face and said, Now, God, Miss Sarah, boy, that beautiful bride you give me, I love her more than life. She said, Maybe you're just going to walk through Hagar. And you know what he'd found? He would have found God saying, Hey, stupid, no! Okay, I got it. But he never, he never. He just went right on into the business. The Bible says that immediately, so Abram was wrong there. But then Abram was right. Sarah was not his authority. I mean, Hagar was not his authority. Uh, Hagar, Abram was not Hagar's authority. Sarah was. I told you, I told you earlier to mark under there where it said, wife, notice what it said. And the Bible says, a little later on, and I'm getting ahead of myself, the Bible says in Genesis 16 and 8, and he said, Hagar, notice the term, Sarai's maid. Whence comest thou? God does not, the angel of the Lord does not call her Abram's wife. She's Sarai's maid. And in the maid, her authority was Sarai. Sarah's authority was Adam. Adam's, I mean Abraham. And Abraham's authority was God. The order. So Abram was right there in doing that. So guess what she done? Sarah pulled out the horns and she went and let her have it. Amen. I mean, she, she blasted her. She blasted her. I mean, she really went in there and no doubt, no doubt, I, I would love to have seen it. But it, it, the Bible doesn't tell us. But the Bible says, And Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleases thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly, hardly with her, and that's all God says, hardly with her, she fled from her, from her face. Third problem, bolting, running, fleeing, running away. She run. The solution is let's run. Let's run. Guess what? We're still doing that. Adam, guess where we learned that? Adam, when he sinned, what did he do? He ran and he hid. Guess what we're doing today? We're running. We're running. We're trying to get in that place to where we don't have to be accountable to God. She run. I believe 
I believe Hagar headed back to Egypt. I can't prove that, but I believe she did. But whatever she done, she run. Can I help you? You can't run from your problems. They'll always chase you down. And no matter where you go, when you get there, the same people's going to be there. See, we don't deserve, we don't, we don't, we don't solve our problems by running from God. We solve them by running to God. See, Adam learned that. I mean, Abraham learned that when he went into, into Egypt. Man, he didn't do good, too good in Egypt. He learned a good lesson. I love this story. There's two hunters. I thought about Michael when I read this. There's story two hunters. You came across a bear. I mean, he was a big one. So they dropped their rifles and run for cover. One man climbed a tree while the other one hid in a nearby cave. Suddenly, the bear just sat down between the tree and the cave. Suddenly, the hunter in the cave come rushing out, almost running into the waiting bear, and, and then he dashed back in. And the other man said, Hey, Woody, are you crazy? Stay in the cave. He said, I can't. There's another bear in there. That's what we do. That's what we do. We run from a problem only to a bigger problem. I'm going to give you one illustration, being, just, just being as serious as I can be. I'll never forget this. I would to God some of you would get it. I went to a dear man. He's dying of cancer. I'll never forget it as long as I live. He said, get a chair and shut the door. I did. He looked at me and said, preacher, I want you to tell him. He said, I was in. He said, I got mad at the house of God about something somebody said. It wasn't important, but it got mad. And I took my family, and I said, bless God, we're leaving. He said, we did. Then he said, I got back. I got back right to your church. I got back to Solid Rock, and I got right with God. But preacher, would you please tell them? Would you please tell them? My children, and he named them all. He said, I can't even get them to darken the doors of church. And in his family, he didn't have but about two or three just even living for God at all. I'll never forget that. And he said, you know why? He said, because I thought I, I would just run. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You can't run from, from problems. You just got to face them. And the answer is to find that altar back with God. Last point, I'm done. There was a proposition. There was a problem. But notice, there was a pride, the pride that had to submit. I want everybody to look at me right now. Look at me right now, right now. Let me tell you the number one problem, number one thing, number one issue, number bigger than all of this, number one thing that keeps people from being wrong, being right with God, one thing, our stinking pride. Our pride that will not submit to the will of God. Our pride. All three of these in this crowd had to submit their stinking pride. Hagar had to submit her pride. God comes to her and says, listen, she, I believe she's on her way back to Egypt. God runs into her. He said, what are you doing here? She said, she said I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said, I return to thy mistress and notice one, and submit thyself under her hands. There are people sitting right here. You're going to go to your grave. Now you listen. You're going to go to your grave. Miserable because somebody, you're so hell-bent in your pride, you won't forgive. And you lose. You don't understand, preacher, what they've done to me. Can I ask you a question? You answer this honestly now. Did they take you out last week and nail you to a cross? Did they take you out last week and tie you to a post and take a leather whip with, cat, with nine strings and, and glass and rope and beat you to where you so bloody you didn't even look like a man? 
Did they do that? Did they nail you to a cross and stand you upright? Did they? Until that happens, there ain't nothing nobody can do that we cannot forgive. Because you know why? If you're saved, well, that's a big if. If you're saved, that's what my sins did to my Savior. And the reason I'm forgiven today is because of what he did for me. My sins put in there. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I want you to know, if I've accepted that forgiveness, you tell me, until somebody has done that to us, what have they done? You say, well, I, I, I ain't going to like, I, I didn't say you had to go dinner with them. I said, God, forgive them here. Here. And you say, why? Pride. Just pride. So Hagar had to submit her pride. Not only her, but Sarah had to submit her pride. I mean, it's probably been peaceful around the house without her. I mean, nothing said she tried to get her back or Abram. But you know what? When that knock come to that door, She opened it. Hagar's standing there. Peter said, Lord, how many times we got to forgive? Seven times? And God looked at him and he said, let's try 70 times seven. It's not about the number, he said. Let's not put a number on forgiveness. I bloated a few times this week. Did you? I said, I bloated a few times this week. Did you? Well, I thought some things this week I probably should have thought. I acted in ways I shouldn't have acted. I got so busy one day that I, I, I missed a prayer time that I tried to schedule every day. Oh, I, I don't know about you. It seems like every day. Seems like no matter how hard I want this old flesh to do right, it just don't do right. And before I pillow my head at night, I just gotta say, God, it's it's me again. I know you get tired of hearing me say the same things, but God, I sure pray God you'd forgive me for God, I just I, I meant to do that, God. But I just, just didn't get it done. I, w- I can't understand. She had to submit. Hagar said, Sarah, I, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I, I looked at you that way and despised you. I think on the way back, I think on the way back, oh, Hagar got to thinking, you know, for 10 years, she was my, 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 my house, and for 10 years, she was good to me. I mean, for 10 years, she was good to me. And then because she couldn't have a child, and I got pregnant, I turned my nose up at her, treated her that way. I believe when Hagar got back there, her tears was, said, Sarah, I'm so sorry. Sarah had to jump at pride and say, come here, Hagar, and hugged her and said, listen, it's done. We're, we're okay. Can I say something? Abram had to submit his pride too. You say, how? Because now he's going to know that it's not going to be Eleazar, his servant. It's not going to be Ishmael. Ishmael's not going to be the one. He had to surrender his pride and say, God, I can't figure this out. God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but Andrew, how you do it, it'll be okay. So he had to submit his pride. Can I help you? And I'm just, I'm done. God, can't, God can never do anything for a proud person. Let me tell you how much he hates it. He said, I even hate a proud look. 
He said, I even hate a proud look. Here to this morning, many of you, we got some young people making choices right now, and they're, they're struggling. They're, they're, you know, I'm, I understand them. I do. I really do. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're 20 and, or 21 or 22, and they think, my God, I'm going to be an old man before I get a wife. Yeah. Well, what's God doing? And they're listening. And they're trying to do right. But you're wondering, God, do I go this way? Do I go this way? Do I go this way? Does this way need to go? And and, and they're looking. And right now, God's got me in that waiting place. And God's saying, and and I truly believe this, that God's got some great things for them. Just got to wait till he opens the door. Then when he opens the door, be willing to obey him and step through it. Here this morning, you shove doors all you want to. One more illustration, I'm done. I met a lady that used to sit in this church. Her husband, I asked him, I said, how's he doing? She said, he ain't doing good at all. She said, he's really sick and so he can barely get going, barely go, barely even, barely even do anything now. He's younger than I am, barely do anything. You know what? I sat there and it, it broke my heart. You know why? Because I watched as when a door opened, he didn't ask God about nothing. He run, slapped through it, and then bless God, when he slammed shut, he wasn't ready for it. You know why? Because he wasn't willing to wait on God for what he had for his life. Tough place to be. So I was standing there thinking.